0: The opinions and views expressed in the OC Show with Cameron Jackson do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Orange County, are you ready? Time for the greatest radio show in all of Orange County. Get your lattes ready. It's the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9. FM in Irvine. With me, telling you how it really is politically here in Orange County, Cameron Jackson. That's right. Michael Corona's got a jury selected that even Scott Baugh and Michael Schroeder could love. They think they're headed towards a not guilty and I'm praying to God otherwise. Oh yeah, baby. The Mike Corona trial is on. Spewing salaciousness, telling the public Exactly how much of a racist, bigoted, sexist, criminal thug pig he really was, that Mike Corona. Yeah, baby! I am Cameron Jackson. This is the OC Show. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And we are the champions. Thank you very much. just want you to know that. Uh, Like I said, KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is the OC Show. If you want to keep listening to the show after you get out of your car, please do so. Go to KUCI.org. Click on the upper right-hand corner for streaming audio. Also, also. You can go to my website, vocshow.net. You can uh, check out upcoming shows. You can listen to past shows. Today, I've got an outstanding show for you. Speaking of shows, uh, my first guest today, a multi-guest show, is uh, my father. He is a uh, CPA, very uh, well-known CPA up in the Seattle area. And he is going to be talking with me about Obama's tax cut for the middle class and a couple of little liabilities that the United States has on its plate. Um, after that, I'm going to have Stephen Smith from the Irvine Tadler to uh, round up and talk about the last final days here before the election in Irvine and some of the issues that we have there. And I am supposed to have Michelle Martinez, who's running against Mayor, uh, uh, What's his name? Polito Miguel Polito. She's running against Polito over in Santa Ana. She is supposed to be in studio this morning. Possibly she's lost. I don't know. Uh, but she uh, should be here. And, um, hey, if she is, she is. If she's not, what are you going to do? Uh, also, also, if you want, you can email me during the show, Cameron at theocshow.net. That is Cameron at theocshow.net. And uh, you can ask me a question. I don't take uh, call-ins because I don't have a call screener. Working on that for you, always working to make the show better for you so that you can call in and ask questions. Can't do it yet, but you can email me during the show. I will get the email, Cameron at OCshow.net. So uh, let's go ahead and bring my first caller on the air, who is my dad, uh, James Jackson, a CPA from the Seattle area. Uh, been doing this for, I don't know, what, 25, 30 years. Daddy, are you there?
1: Yeah, I'm here. It's 35, my good
0: son. Ah, good, 35. Now, most of you might be saying, ah, oh, what are you doing? You're, you're, uh, you're bringing your father on. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. But my, my father is actually uh, very well-versed in, uh, obviously, uh, taxes in, in general. He's a CPA, has run his own business. He is a small business owner as well. So he is going to be affected by um, Obama's tax plan. Um, and I want to talk about that with you, uh, Dad. Let's, let's let the listener know where we stand in terms of taxes right now in this country, who's paying them, who's not paying them, and how are they and what are we paying?
1: Well, um, really, the vast majority of American citizens don't pay any income tax at all. They're, they're off the tax rolls. Uh, some may pay a payroll tax, but that's a set-aside for their Social Security uh, earnings when they retire.
0: So, wait, 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 explain that real quick. We're not paying – the average citizen is not paying taxes? Not at all. Uh, how, how can that be?
1: More than, more than 50% of our citizens don't pay any income tax. Just because of the existing programs that are in place to reduce taxes to zero for the vast majority of Americans. Either they don't make enough money or they have uh, you know, enough children and exemptions, uh, parents that they're taking care of, that they wipe out their income tax. Uh, through normal deduction.
0: So is that why the majority of the time when I talk to my, my friends and whatnot, my, my uh, business colleagues, they say they're getting a, um, a refund?
1: Yeah, they get a refund because their employer withholds taxes from them on a monthly basis, sends it to the government, and then uh, at the end of the year when they tally up the score, uh, lo and behold, uh, the tax that's calculated is less than the withholding, and the government sends them a check because they've had over-withholding.
0: So then if 50% is not paying taxes, then who
1: is? Well, the top 5% earners in this country pay 60% of the taxes in this country. The top 5% pay 60% of all taxes in this country. And that's a big number. You know, it for individuals... It's a trillion dollars. It's a trillion dollars.
0: So, so if Obama enacts his tax plan, are there any... Because what he is saying is that for 95% of Americans, 95% are not going to see their taxes raised at all, and then it's only going to be the top 5% that are going to see their taxes raised, which it sounds like, from what you're saying, that's who's paying the majority of the tax right now. How is... is is? How can he do that? I I mean, is it going to really change the bottom line of the government, or are we going to see more taxes, really, in the long term on the middle class?
1: Well, you've hit the nail on the head. We're going to see much larger taxes on the middle class because the mathematics don't work to tax the upper 5%. Okay, stay with me now. We have a budget in this country of $4 trillion dollars. That's a big T every year. And we only collect $2.4 trillion from three major sources, a trillion from individuals, a trillion from other forms of taxes and levies, and $400 billion from corporations. Now, we have our national debt, Cameron, is $10.5 trillion, $10.5 trillion. Just to finance that, the government has to pay $400 billion in interest to people that hold that debt. Mathematically, we have got, as a nation, in the next four years, have got to get our debt down to at least $5.5 trillion. Well, if you tax the upper 5%, an increase of one-third in their taxes, which is what Obama is proposing, that only leaves you about $200 billion that you're going to collect from those people. The math doesn't work. You've got to pay down the debt in order to preserve our sanity in this country by $5 trillion. You're not going to do it on the back of the top 5%. You have to include the middle class. So when he says that he's not going to increase taxes for 95% of Americans, he's lying through his teeth. He has to. The math just doesn't work.
0: So then what do you envision they are going to do to get that money? Are they go- I mean, how can he sit here and make one of his primary platform uh, stances, hey, I'm not going to raise taxes for 95% of Americans, and then turn around... And not have enough money to just cover the interest on our current debt. How is he going to? How is he going to work these numbers?
1: Going to blame it on Congress because you see, Congress writes the tax code, and Congress, in its quote infinite wisdom. Uh, those guys have got us into this pickle to begin with by spending too much. It's not the president that spends the money. It's the Congress that spends the money, and it's the Congress that, pay, that sets tax law in motion. And I don't believe whoever is elected is is going to get what they want. The Congress doesn't have the ability to give them what they want. Well, but now
0: wait a minute, though. Wait a minute. We are looking at an unprecedented Uh, history-making event here. We could have a 60-member majority Senate with Democrats in control. That changes things a little bit there, Dad.
1: Well, you may think it's going to change things, but let me tell you something. These people are so firmly entrenched, they don't want to lose their jobs. And there's going to be a hue and cry if they try to ram tax increases down the throats of uh, of 50% of Americans. It's not going to work. It's not going to work, Cameron, and they, the Congress has got to cut its spending, and yes, they have to increase taxes, but they're not going to do it on the top 5%. They're going to do it on the backs of the middle class.
0: All right, now let's get that is a great uh, segue, so to speak, into my next question, and that is what are the current liabilities that the U.S. government has right now that... We- Politicians love to, uh, it's, you know, many of these liabilities are the gift that keeps on giving for politicians like Social Security. What kinds of liabilities do we have that are going to um, increase the odds, if you will, that they're going to have to raise taxes on the middle class?
1: Well, you know, we, ha- we have a huge liability just in the Social Security Administration to pay for the baby boom retirement over the next 20 years.
0: Which I might add is you.
1: That's exactly right. You better keep on working, my good man, and they better keep on taxing your payroll because it's got to pay for my retirement.
0: And, and let's talk about some of the economic or the um, statistics behind that, because we, we have less workers now than when Social Security was in uh, put into effect back in uh, FDR's time. Let's talk about that.
1: Well, when FDR put Social Security in place, there were ten workers for every worker that received Social Security, and. That worker died after receiving, on average, two monthly Social Security checks in 1934 and 1935, when the the program began. Today, uh, we have three workers uh, for every one recipient of Social Security, and the average Social Security recipient now lives about 13 years instead of two months. You see, they didn't ratchet up the age. And you get a wonderful cost of living increase, which last year, by the way, every Social Security recipient got a 5.8% increase in their benefits. Huge number. 5.8% increase in their benefits last year because of inflation. And when I retire, which is in about three years, guess what? There's going to be two workers for every one worker. Uh, out there, uh, receiving Social Security, and I'm going to live 20 years, not 13 years. Well, and so it, math- mathematically, it, the retirement system in this country is is borne by the middle class and the young people of this country. It's not getting better; it's getting worse. Uh, we we have a tr- multi-trillion-dollar liability that uh, may or may not be able to be satisfied in the next twenty to thirty years
0: uh, it just seems mind-boggling to me because how many baby boomers are there's millions of you baby boomers and you're all gonna be dumping onto the social security system literally at the same time and that is in addition to all of the world war II generation people that we have on the system now
1: that's exactly right of course they're gonna be dying off but the baby boom generation represents the top of the bell-shaped curve in terms of population distribution. And uh, it's a liability on the back of the, uh, of the citizens of this country that politicians, A, won't get rid of, and B, the only solution is to tax people uh, in order to fund it.
0: What about- uh, are there any other major liabilities that we have right now in the pipeline that are that are also going to continue to break our backs, so to speak?
1: Sure, government spending. Government today spends $1.6 more than it takes in. So it has to go borrow money. Uh, it has to borrow money from uh, wealthy foreign countries. It borrows money from our citizens, uh, and it pays interest on that debt. But as I said... The beginning of the Bush administration, that national debt set, set sat at six trillion. Today, it's ten and a half trillion. It's got to be paid down, otherwise, you know, we're going to have inflation like you've never seen before.
0: Well, that's uh, that's quite sobering. Uh, coming here into the eve of our next presidential election, it certainly looks like Obama is going to uh, sweep the electoral map. Uh, at least from my perspective. I don't know, what's it like up in Seattle? Are, are people in Seattle raw, uh, raw, shish, uh, uh the Messiah?
1: Well, they are. You know, we have uh, a, a democratic state here and King County, which is our largest county here in the state, is staunchly democratic. It has been for generations. Uh, so, you know, it's difficult to get these folks out of power. My only advice to your listeners is, do these people really deserve to be reelected? Have they really done the job for the benefit of the American people? Can they really look down the road 50 years and decide what this country needs to be competitive in the world? Uh, I don't think so. At least they haven't proven it to me. And I don't think any of them, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, they don't deserve to be reelected. It's time that they were unemployed and we had some new blood uh, in our Congresses and in our legislatures and in our city councils throughout this country to uh, go to work on the problems that we face, not the least of which is crumbling infrastructure in this country, energy independence, which we dramatically need in this country because it's just a matter of national security, and immigration reform. You know, those three are, you know, just tremendous. I look at them as opportunities for the right leader to capitalize on and, uh, if you know we don't need any more social programs we got enough social programs it's time we rebuilt our country and got out of debt
0: you know i want to ask you a quick question too uh and well said by the way that sounded like a campaign stump speech for somebody i'm not quite sure who um you're not running for office are you dad (laughs) no good okay good uh i know you're not anyway um you, one of the things I like to talk about down here in California is the fact that we've got a, a dysfunctional legislature because it's the state has been gerrymandered and the Democrats hold all the power. They will always hold all the power so long as the state stays gerrymandered. And give the listeners a sense of... How Washington is in many ways as ungovernable as California is, so that we're not, so the listener understands that it's not the only, we're not the only state in the union that has this issue of one party rule.
1: No, I mean, our Congress is the same, has the same legislative rules that California has, and the the, uh, the House of Representatives. And we're
0: talking now Washington State here.
1: No, oh, Washington State, yes. now that's a different matter. Washington State is. Is just uh, King County is just so firmly entrenched and in bed with the Democratic Party that it, uh, over the years it's been impossible to change leadership, uh, you know, in in any in any way and form. Is Back that the days? Is, day is,
0: is, it, is it, that the same though statewide?
1: No, not statewide. Eastern Washington is is a very red county-oriented part of the state, but uh, here west of the Cascade Mountain Range, it's pretty much blue and. Uh, 75% of the population is west of the Cascade Mountain Range, which, uh, you know, spells uh, problematic, it's problematic for any kind of change.
0: All right. All right. So uh, people understand then that sometimes these things are similar between the two states. We're not the only state that's like that. And it's
1: similar in in our National House of Representatives. They've gerrymandered the boundaries as well uh, to make sure that they're reelected. Um, I'd love to see it go back to just uh election on a county by county basis but um you know they've succeeded in keeping themselves in office uh mathematically not because they're doing anything right.
0: Right, right. Okay, dad, I've got to move on. It's been it's going to be a busy program here today. Thank you so much for coming in. Again, you've been listening to uh the OC show with Cameron Jackson. You've been listening to my dad. He's a CPA up in the Seattle area, James Jackson. We are related. Thank you very much. Um Yeah, thanks a lot.
1: Okay, you're welcome, Cameron. We'll see you later. See you later. Bye, Dad. Bye.
0: All right, and uh, you're listening to the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My next guest, Stephen Smith, has walked through the door. I'm going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk a quick, quick bit about the corona trial, and then Stephen will be in here to uh, chat it up about what's going on in Irvine. So uh, we'll be right back. And Welcome back. You're listening to The O.C. Show with Cameron Jackson right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. That's right. I'm the one who's telling you what really goes on in Orange County with the political scene. Oh, yeah. All right, I am your Superman, baby. All right, so as many of you know, the orange, uh, the disgraced former sheriff Mike Corona is currently on trial. It finally went to trial. It was something I predicted would never happen. Uh, I figured they would plea bargain their way out of this one, but apparently they have rolled the dice and they've decided that they should go for it. And I tell you, like I said at the beginning of the show, he got a jury that even uh, Michael Schroeder and Scott Baugh could love. Eleven strapping men, and one woman. So uh they obviously are thinking that they're going to hit this one over the fence just with the jury alone. Um, I'm not so sure of it. I've been listening to the coverage. I've been reading the coverage in the LA Times and the OC Register, and I have to say, uh, so far it's not looking very good for him. Uh, we've got people who have come out already and said that they spent money, uh, they, they uh donated money, $1,000 cam- uh, campaign contributions uh, to Corona, and those were reimbursed by Don Heidel. Don Heidel, of course, the multimillionaire financer of Corona's campaign. Um, we haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet, either. We haven't gotten to Heidel himself. We haven't gotten to Cavallo. We haven't gotten to Jaramillo. Uh, of course, um, the defense is going to try and paint all of these guys as convicted felons now, which... Thank you to Michael Schroeder. Uh, Two of them have been uh, politically prosecuted, uh, that being Joe Cavallo and George Jaramillo, so that they could be discredited if and, in fact, they were ever to testify against Mike Corona. Remember, this investigation started back in 2004, and that's when the problems for Joe Cavallo and George Jaramillo began. So uh, fancy that. Uh, Strange timing? I don't know. Nobody's going to bring it up in trial, but I can tell you right now, Joe Cavallo and George Jaramillo were politically prosecuted to be able to be discredited so that when this day came, the defense of Mike Corona would have something to talk about. So uh, next week, I'm going to go into greater detail about what's going on to the trial this week. We have uh, elections coming up, obviously, on Tuesday. And I have for me in studio now uh, Stephen Smith from the Irvine Tattler. Stephen, hello.
2: Hi, Cameron and listeners. Thank you for having me back.
0: Yes. Stephen, you've been a great addition to the show this uh, election cycle. There's been a lot to talk about here in Irvine because we have uh, elections here in Irvine as well as the uh, national election. And we've got uh, a huge slate of people running for city council and mayor here in Irvine. And uh, it's been kind of contentious this year a little bit.
2: Uh, I think it's been contentious pretty much every year since uh, Larry Agron uh, came into office, uh, at least probably in the mid 1980s.
0: And um, what? Uh, well, let's back up here. Let's kind of catch the listener up to speed. So, um, in one corner we've got the Agron slate, and that is Larry Agron, Beth Crom, Suki Kang, and Todd Gallinger. And in the right corner, so to speak, <laughs> that would be the left corner. In the right corner, we've got uh, the uh, Pat Rogers, Christina Shea, and Stephen Choi slate. And then we've got some people in between.
2: Well, you know, you, you talk about uh, the partisan polls left and right, and you know that's not really 100% true anymore. You know, yes, yes. Uh, uh, Mr. Agron's people are liberal, and yes, uh, Ms. Shea's people are conservative. But, uh, in fact, there was a, a flyer that just came in the mail yesterday that uh, the Shea slate has been um, endorsed by uh, Chris Mears, who uh, ran with Larry Egan for many years, is one of the more prominent liberals in the community. Mark Petraca, who has the political science department here at uh, UCI, he's also one of the more prominent progressive liberals in the community. So, you know, what's happening at City Hall has moved beyond this test of liberal versus conservative, Democrat versus Republican. It's about what's right and what's wrong.
0: So, um we've you've kind of been chronicling What's uh, been going on behind the scenes financially with Larry Agran's Larry Agran's slate mailer that's been coming uh, out since I don't know I can't remember when I even got my first September five out. was
2: the first issue. Uh, that was the first issue. I haven't put it up on eBay yet, but I'm figuring that's that's probably going to much going to fund
0: my retirement. Right, and I think that thing has been sent out to virtually every uh, registered yeah. voter here in Irvine because I know I've gotten one, my wife has gotten one. I've looked around the uh, post office when I'm picking mine up. Other people are picking theirs up. I mean, this thing is like a eight-page full color newspaper that has been going out and that takes a lot of money to fund. What where are they getting this money from? Because there's a campaign contribution limit in Irvine of uh
2: $410 per individual.
0: Right. And so where is Larry getting all of his money? Drumroll. The great park contractors and architect. Outstanding. Outstanding. Once again, the developers are behind his Uh, push for politics what what's going on here
2: well it's not really the developers this time Um, the developers actually for the most part are not putting money into it it's the uh, people who are getting the no-bid contracts from the great park Uh, starting with ken smith who's the you know runs the ken smith design studio he's doing all the architecture work for the great park Uh, Our friends Ford and Mulrick, the political consultants who were brought in a few years ago by Agron, given no-bid contracts to promote the Great Park. If you get those glossy mailers in your mailbox every few weeks promoting the Great Park, Ford and Mulrick are doing those. Ford and Mulrick, also off the books, runs the Agron Slates campaign. It would be illegal if it was on the books, so it's off the books. Ford and Mulrick is also doing all the publicity for Prop 10. Yes, on Prop 10, which just so happens to be filled with people from Irvine for some bizarre reason.
0: Um, And Prop 10 is the T. Boone Pickens uh, Clean Energy Plan, which includes natural gas uh, rebates. And uh, is there some kind of connection here as well with that? Well, you know, and that's the bizarre thing about it, is that this is a statewide ballot
2: initiative, and yet most of the people who you see wrote the ballot statement, most of the people who are quoted in uh, the literature that goes out are from Irvine. Uh, Irvine's former city manager, Allison Hart, is is one of the people who's often cited as supporting this. When you get into the fine print, though, you find out really what happens is that most of this, what it does is it gives subsidies to uh, people or businesses who buy vehicles. They'll be getting uh, natural gas from T. Boone Pickens Company, Clean Energy Fuels, which is based up in Seal Beach. Uh, there also happens to be a $25 million pop subsidies to eight cities throughout California and one of those eight just happens to be Irvine.
0: Well and the interesting thing on that is that Irvine is the only city in that list that is sub 100,000 or at 100,000 population. The rest are all very large cities.
2: Irvine's population is around I think 200,000 oh, and then okay. the next largest city was Oakland which was about twice that size and then you go up to the more logical towns like Los Angeles and San Francisco and the other big cities. Um, when you ask at City Hall how is it that Irvine came to be listed in Prop 10 with all these other cities, nobody knows because they had nothing to do with it. But the interesting thing is, uh, and there is an article on my website, it's titled as Prop 10, the New Agron Slush Fund. When I did the research, it turns out that uh, they have on the books this trolley system plan for the Great Park. Uh, they're $25 million short of being able to fund it and it just so happens that they get $25 million out of Prop 10. Isn't that an amazing coincidence? It's a
0: very amazing coincidence. Very, very amazing. All right, so uh, you are continuing on about uh, who is funding his slate mirrors. You know, it occurred to me that some of this may get lost on the listener and may get lost on average citizens as to why does this even matter? Why do we keep tabs on all of this as far as Agron is concerned? And why does it matter?
2: Well, it's it's the classic political quid pro quo. You put uh, umpteen thousands of dollars into my election campaign, and then in December, when your no-bid contracts come up for renewal, it's going to fly right through, and you're going to get your no-bid contracts for another year. Um, no-bid contracts means that, Cameron, I decide to hire you. I'm not going to interview anybody else, and I'm going to give you a million dollars, and... Uh, Next election, um, you want to put $10,000 into my slush fund to pay for that? That's okay, and then you'll get your next million-dollar contract.
0: And that's something that uh, Agron has been doing for quite some time now. I mean, we've, we've, we've had numerous reports of this occurring.
2: This has gone back to the 2000 election uh, when he and uh, his, at the time, campaign manager, Ed Dornan, who passed away in 2005, set up a phony slush fund that had the similar name to the ballot measure measure f at the time that was fighting the airport people in south county were very upset about that because they thought that agron was trying to pull money away from the anti-airport effort to fund his political campaign and every two years this is the same thing that happens people say is this legal well it's legal until you get convicted ask my corona as you were talking about uh... why doesn't the da Tony Rakakis do something about this. Well, again, you look at Mike Corona. Who was it that popped Mike Corona? It wasn't Rakakis. It was the federal government who had to come in and pop him.
0: Rakakis has said he's not going to prosecute any political uh, mischief in this county, which is just insane. But anyway, that's a a different topic. So, you know, that's why he
2: gets away with it. Um, At the state level, the Fair Political Practices Commission regulates this stuff. But they are very underfunded and very understaffed and very overworked because their money comes from a state legislature that basically doesn't want to be investigated. And I called the FPPC a few weeks ago about what was going on, and they said, well, we don't have the staff to do anything, but if you do us a favor, file a complaint after the election and send us all these fake newspapers, and we'll put them on file in case the day ever comes that we have a more sympathetic ear at the state legislature can do something about this.
0: That's unbelievable to me that they just do not care. Um you know, it's, it almost it almost begs the question, why even have campaign finance rules to begin with? Let's just, I mean, let, what, what, maybe it would be better if it were just in the open. Yeah, I, hey, I got uh, $5 million from Lenar uh, to run against my candidate.
2: You know, and there are people who argue that, that uh, campaign finance limits are a restriction on free speech. Normally, it's the people with
0: the $5 million who say that. But uh, (laughs) I would go a step and say it's not that it's a limit on free speech. I mean, what we're doing now, in effect, is we're uh, encouraging politicians to find crafty ways around the rules. And so now what we get is fundamentally a secret system again. So why not just have a system where we say, you've got to report it, but we don't care what you get, who you get it from. Just, just you got to report it. Well, and that argument has
2: been made. And, um, you know, ironically, it was Larry Agron who helped to bring in, in the late 1980s, our current campaign finance laws. But the problem is, is that there's this loophole, and the loophole certainly is not at Irvine's level. It's at the state and the federal level, too. The Supreme Court years ago ruled that um, you have to be really careful about campaign finance limits on independent expenditure committees because it's a restriction on free speech, which is why we have all those 537s that do the 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 Swift Swift Boat
0: Veterans veterans for Truth. Now, let's get back to uh, this Agron slate because I think the, the public needs to be reminded and reminded many, many times what his slate is all about. There are four people on the slate. Why is it that he has four people? And he's got this fourth person, Todd, baby boy gouger, as I like to call him, because <laughs> uh, he just has no clue as to what he's gotten himself into on this one. Um, w- w- why the four people?
2: Well, uh, combination of state law and the dynamics of Irvine City Council elections uh, and trying to keep it simple, basically, in a, in a normal election cycle in Irvine, You have the mayoral seat that's open, and you have two council seats out of the four that come open. And uh, so normally you'll see a slate of three. But in certain years, uh, if a member uh, of the city council happens to get elected mayor, then that opens a third seat. This year we have Christina Shea and Sookie Kang, both city council members whose seats are not open this year, so they're midterm. They can run for mayor. The winner moves up, vacates his or her seat. The loser returns to the council, no harm, no foul. So what that's going to do is open a third seat. Therefore, you have a four-candidate slate. But under state law, to legally do a slate mailer, and let's explain to people what a slate mailer is, you're getting them in your mailbox right now. When you get something that says, like, COPS Voter Guide, California Voter Information Guide, Howard Jobber's Prop 13 Guide, and then you see a whole long list of candidates and campaigns on that, by state law, you have to have a minimum of four candidates or four campaigns on there. Now, I can tell you with most of these, these people just buy their way on there. And and Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative, it don't matter. It's just you get a call you know, about six months before now from these slates saying, uh, for $5,000, we'll put you on our on our mailer. And people kick into it. Um, In Irvine, what's happened, though, is since the 2000 election, Agron has run his own slate mailer operation. Uh, Before, it was hometown voter guide, and then after Dornan passed away, they started planning 2020. And uh, that's been set up as the independent expenditure committee that launders all this money from it used to be developers. Developers are tapped out now because of the crummy economy. So now it's money that's coming in from people like Great Park Contractors. There's a billionaire heiress down in Corona del Mar, uh, Ann Getty Earhart, who kicked in $98,000 to planning 2020.
0: Why would that be an interest
2: of hers? Ann Getty Earhart, uh, as you might suspect, is is an heiress to the J. Paul Getty fortune. Uh, she's very active in uh, democratic car- causes, environmental causes, which is fine by me, because I kind of tend to, my politics tend that way. But she's also historically been a huge supporter of Larry Agron. And so in the past, we have seen, you know, significant dollars coming into his independent expenditure committees from uh, Ann Getty Earhart. Um, there was also another So 20- she's, she's a groupie. <laughs> Well, she's a billionaire uh, groupie, hey, which is you know hey, fine by hey, me. If you're you gonna know? have a groupie, you might as well be a billionaire. Yeah. So uh, there's also another twenty five thousand dollars. Where
0: was she for Corona? That's all I have to say. I, I, I I don't he know. picked the wrong guy. That's all I have to say. Don't anyway, don't keep going.
2: Uh, he, the Planning Twenty Twenty also got twenty five thousand dollars from a, a a Maryland developer. Uh, Maryland. Well, John Katkish, uh, who's actually the treasurer of the Great Park Conservancy, which is the non. Profit Foundation Agron started uh, years ago that was supposed to be independent and was supposed to help raise nonprofit money for the Great Park. Um, Agron is still on, uh, a member of the Conservancy. He's no longer on their board, but Kakish, obviously a political supporter, is on the board as its treasurer, which gives me pause to think that the person theoretically responsible for the Conservancy's books also happens to launder large sums of money into Agron's political campaign.
0: Well, I mean, come on, it seems part and parcel.
2: Uh, you know, it's, it, it's uh, truly uh, stupefying at times to see, you know, and, I guess when and, you have no day job and you have 24 hours, 7 days a week to s- plot and scheme, you know, the full extent of, of how far Agron's tentacles
0: extend into all of this stuff. And, and I think we are uh, summing up for the listener why this is important, and we'll get to that in just a second. If you're just now joining us, this is the OC Show right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Cameron Jackson, your faithful host. Uh, I've got in studio today Stephen Smith from the Irvine Tatler, That is IrvineTattler.com. A very excellent and well-done website that chronicles what is going on behind the scenes, um, behind the... Oh, I don't know what is this—a foam, sea foam green and blue curtain here in Irvine. <laughs> That's the city colors, <laughs> um, and, and I think what we've been talking about are the uh, various ways that Agron has been funding his slate mailer. And I asked the question earlier uh, to Stephen, why is this important? And I think we're kind of spelling out why it's important. Because if you're willing to go to these links to launder money, to get into your slush funds so that you can fund your political hate speech mailers that you send out uh, and blame others for that, uh, that kind of shows a pattern and a, a, a breach of really ethics, in my opinion, and, and what else are you doing when you're on the council? Well, and the ironic thing is, is
2: that, you know, as, as I suggested earlier with Chris Mears and Mark Petraca, myself, uh, Will Swain, who was the uh, former editor of OC Weekly, now runs the district up in Long Beach, uh, and others like Mitch Goldstone, who ran with Larry Agron in 2002. There were so many of us whose politics generally trend progressive in the 1980s who bought into Larry because he really practiced what he preached. I mean, sometimes he got out there, like running for president in 1992. Yes, he did, and no, he didn't win. Um, But, you know, he really put himself on the line for what he believed in, and that's one reason why he lost in 1990, was that he got too far out there for the community to tolerate. Um, He had a string of setbacks in the late 90s, and I think he finally just decided that the only way he was going to keep power was to be more corrupt than his perceived enemies. And so he started uh, setting up all these independent expenditure committees which under state law he's not supposed to have anything to do with. Uh evidence has come forward, overwhelming evidence that he does control them, but again, we have a DA who won't do anything. So, Agron, with the brakes off, he pretty much pushes it to, you know, to the extreme because he knows he's not going to get prosecuted. That leaves it up to the Irvine voters to basically decide, is this the kind of government you want at City Hall? Larry Agron has one vote on a five-member city council, but Beth Crom and Sookie Kang vote with him 100% of the time. You can check the council agendas. They're online. It's literally 100% of the time. For you as a citizen, the democratic process does not exist in this town. If you come to City Hall and you want something done, you have a concern they're not going to listen to you unless you can put money into their election campaigns. And the bottom line is you have to take care of Larry Agron because Beth Crom and Suki Kang take their marching orders from Larry. Larry helps them raise the money to get themselves elected and stay in office. You know, On election day on, on November 4th, I'm not telling people how to vote, but if, if this is the kind of uh, government that disgusts you, and if you really want democracy, you want a participative process here in Irvine, you don't want hundreds of thousands of dollars from people who are getting no-bid contracts at City Hall being laundered through these, these campaigns. This is your opportunity to do something about it. And whether you vote for the Shea Slate, uh, there are independents out there like Margie Wakeham, uh, Eric Johnson, uh, Paris Miriam, Ruby Young, B Foster. You want to vote for those people, fine. But... Again, keep in mind who it is that is really responsible for all the corruption and graft
0: that is allegedly going on at City Hall, and I, you know, it all—all all signs point to Larry Agron. I, I mean, it's kind of—it's been that way. It's been—it's been, it's been uh, reported in the OC Weekly. It's been reported in the Times. It's been reported in the Register, and it really is quite astonishing to me uh, that. Nothing has happened. Well, and as you point out, even with the
2: press, which is nominally neutral, across the board, the the Times allegedly liberal, the the Register um, allegedly libertarian, Republican, the OC Weekly allegedly out on Mars, wherever (laughs) they are. (laughs) um, Everybody agrees on the same thing. And Larry's supporters are dwindling and dwindling, but... And you can raise a million bucks to spread disinformation in this city, in a municipal campaign, for people who don't pay attention. You know, the people who are undecided, who are going to pick up their mail this weekend and rummage through it, they don't know any better. You know what? I mean, I'll
0: give you a great example of that. My wife, my wife... Who, you know, gets these things. I bring them in. I'm like, hey, here's another Larry Eaglin, you know, slate mailer. She reads through it. And then she comes back to me a couple days later. You know, I was reading those things in that slate. Are, you know, I'm a little bit worried about Christina Shea. I mean, are those things that they say true? And I just, I'm just, i like, hello, who do you yeah. live with? Who yeah. who tells you about what's really going on in Orange County, honey? Yeah. Uh, you know, and she snaps back, too, Do you have a mistress like my Corona does? No, I don't, no. Oh, okay. unfortunately. Neither do so, I. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but they're expensive. They are. And... Um, <laughs> but uh, you know these slate mailers work. Obviously, I mean they work on people who are educated as to what is going on. in Well, this town. you
2: know they work. But I, you know, one of the things about Larry's personality, having been associated with him for eleven years, is without the brakes on, he goes over the top. This, as you said, this Irvine Community News and Views, this fake newspaper, has been coming out every week since September five. And the feedback I'm hearing is that people are wise to this, and whether it's because the Irvine Tattlers talked about it, the Registers talked about it, I I think people are just reading this or getting beaten over the head with this garbage week after week after week. And the light's starting to go on. People are saying, this is
0: crap. Yeah, Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think people are kind of understanding, hey, there's something going on here. This is not normal. Right. And I think it's all It's not normal. No, it 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 coming.
2: It's being put out by a person whose mentality is not normal. I think that's what it really reflects.
0: Well, yeah, I guess that's a very good point. I love this recent one, though, that has come out from Todd Gallinger. Now, I had Todd Gallinger on the show, and you can go to my website, theocshow.net, and you can listen to his interview. And uh, during the interview, this is, you know, (laughs) we have the president, uh, uh, soon-to-be president of the United States, Obama, Uh, who has erased his middle name, Hussein, from from all... uh, What is he going to do on um, uh, the inaugural day uh, when he puts his hand on the Bible? Is he going to say his middle name that day? Is he not? I mean, what what are we going to do? Is he going to H, Obama, H, uh, you know, Barack H, Obama? I think he'll say Hussein. I I think he (laughs) will, too. But anyway, so, uh, but he's gone to great lengths to separate himself from the Muslim faith. Great lengths to do this. It's been documented, hands down, bar none. Todd Gallinger comes on the scene here, and at first it seemed like there was kind of this let's not, let's keep the Muslim thing under wraps because he's a a Muslim, right? And then now we've got this recent uh, Larry Agren slate mailer that's come out here that basically says, I'm Todd Gallinger and heck, I'm a Muslim, baby. I am a Muslim. Woo! I mean, I'm going to be outside in front of my house facing Mecca doing my prayers uh, from now until uh, election day. Come join me. Um, Why, all of a sudden now, are we making a big deal about this? Well,
2: let me, first of all, hold this up to the microphone so everybody can see it. Can see see it, it, right. Yeah, here. Okay, everybody's seen it good. (laughs) Yes. Uh, About a month ago, um, out of nowhere,
0: uh, all of a sudden this... And and, and I love, real quick, too, before you get into this, I love talking about gouging because it's such a... it's fun and interesting to see Larry take and manipulate this poor kid and just drag him down. And, and it's, it's sad. I actually feel
2: sorry for him, but yeah. it, and that's, that's a different subject. In any case, um, about a month ago, out of nowhere, uh, this whole flap started where uh, Agron's people started accusing Councilman Stephen Choi of being a racist because he said something at a candidate's forum about uh, Gallinger being associated with an organization called the Council for American Islamic Relations, or CARE for short. Um, There is ample evidence out there that CARE is related to organizations that raise money for Hamas. Now, you you can talk about that, but the reality is, is that Gallinger, if you look at his biography his own advertisements on the Internet, he's worked for groups that, that there's no quibble. With care, you can argue, but they are groups that are far more dangerous than care. And, in fact, there's a story on my website I found a few weeks ago that Gallinger even uh, represented uh, an organization that's been documented as raising money for Hamas. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. So it's not his fate that's the issue. It's, one, that Gallinger deliberately, his niche uh, as a lawyer, is to represent radical international groups that have been raided because they raise money for terrorists. Bizarre, but it's true. Go to my website, read the article. All the documents are there. You can see it for yourself. But the other issue is that Agron deliberately recruits this guy out of Aliso Viejo to move to Irvine in April to run for city council. Which, number one, says Agron's desperate because he couldn't find any more dupes in Irvine. Everybody's on to him. But, number two, that he would take this kind of risk with this guy's kind of background. Now, adding into that the dynamic of the fact that he's using Gallinger to attack Troy. They they falsely accuse Troy of being a racist Islamophobe. Uh, Then I hear that uh, the polling in, in this town is showing Agron's not doing real well. Remember, the top three get elected. Right now, I hear Agron and Troy are pretty much tied for the third and last spot. But you also think about the fact that even though they're on a slate, quite frankly, Gallinger is running against Agron. It's whoever gets the top three, right? So here comes this mailer yesterday, sent out by Community News and Views, the same people who published the fake newspaper, now, on the one side, it says, shame on you, Stephen Choi, and it accuses him of being a racist and being responsible for this supposed uh, death threat that Gallinger claims. And on the other side is this big letter from Todd Gallinger saying, I'm a Muslim, which, you know, quite frankly, rightly or wrongly, uh, a lot of people in this town probably feel leery about And what I think is really sad about this is that, number one, there's nothing wrong with Islam. uh, Nothing more than there's Christianity or any other faith. But the really insidious thing about this is I'm looking at this and I'm thinking... Agron sees Choi as a threat, but he also realizes Gallinger's a threat. So on one side, he takes out Stephen Choi by saying he's a racist, and on the other side, he sends something out from Gallinger saying, hey, everybody, look at me, I'm a Muslim. Yeah, you know. And I just thought, boy, if Gallinger doesn't clue in at this point and realize that Larry is setting him up to be taken out, I, I just don't know when Gallinger's going to catch on.
0: I, you know, and it, it, is, it is sad that, that essentially Agron has just used this poor kid and just run his reputation through the mud. Uh, over his need and drive to be uh, in city council here in Irvine. And, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, He has no day job. Most of the people who work for Irvine... City Council, I think all of them, maybe not Beth, I don't know about Beth, but the rest of them, they have day jobs. Beth
2: stays, I think Beth stays at home for the most part. Sookie stays at home for the most part. He's independently affluent. Agron's independently affluent. Shay, uh works part-time uh, as a realtor in this market, pretty crappy. Stephen Choi runs a, a Children's uh, Special Education Academy. Yeah, you know, it's been, it's been a long time. I can't think of the last time that there was somebody who was on the City Council who had a regular day job like you and me. You just, you can't afford it, and especially with this town with a population of 200,000, um, you know, it's just, it's all but impossible, especially when you're up against a machine that can go out and raise a million bucks.
0: Yeah. yeah. Have they raised a million?
2: Um, the sentiment seems to be that by the time all the reports are in at the end of the year, that they'll
0: have raised, if not spent, a million bucks. That's a lot of money. On the Agron side. That is a lot of money. All right, you're listening to the OC Show right here on KCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am your host, Cameron Jackson. You've been listening to Stephen Smith from the Irvine Tatler. That's IrvineTattler.com. Uh, you can go to my website as well, theocshow.net, and get a link to it if you can't figure out how to spell it. But I think you can because you're all very smart people out there. Only my listeners are the smartest uh, out there. Anyway. Um, you know,
2: and what I really admire is your modesty. Every you. week I just say, you know, this man never advances uh, his <laughs> ego. It's always selfless in favor of everybody else. I, I'm, a, yeah. I,
0: I'm a self-styled Gen X uh, narcissist, just like the rest <laughs> of them. Uh, I'm going to take the last five minutes to uh, talk about uh, voting uh, on Tuesday. Stephen, thank you so much for... Uh, coming by and talking again right before uh you know what? Actually uh real quick I'm not because we need to talk about two more things. I forgot completely about this and now I've remembered. Uh S and R. We need to talk about those very, very quickly. Um and I'll get to that last part in the last minute. So let's talk about S real quick. It's the secrecy ordinance that is on uh Q here in Irvine. Um why is that a bad thing? Well given the limited time I'll give you the bullet points. You've uh... got you've got you've got four minutes, so we're good. Okay. Uh, real quickly,
2: this was something that Larry Agron proposed uh, about six months ago. Uh concocted this fabricated story about Christina Shea trying to get people's private information from City Hall. It's, it's a bunch of crap. Um, and the real purpose of this was to do two things. Number one, set up yet another independent expenditure committee to promote uh, Measure S, which again launders money back into community news and views to pay for the fake newspaper. Um, But the other thing, too, is that what it really does is it states that uh, the people running City Hall can decide what documents the members of the public can or cannot see. It's blatantly illegal under California state law. The Public Records Act specifies what can and cannot seen by the public. Um, There's no way this is going to be legal, but even if it passes until somebody steps forward and sues the city, they're going to try to use it to hide documents from the public. Larry's very secretive. This is the next natural step in his paranoia. Measure R uh, is the other ballot item that uh, Agron proposed, which basically is a hodgepodge of things trying to promote the Great Park. Uh, Most of the money we talked about coming from the Great Park uh, contractors is actually going to Yes on R. Every penny of that then goes into the fake newspaper, so it's just being laundered through. But what that does is two things. Number one, it... um, gives the force of law to a vote that Agron, Kang, and Crom did in April 2006, where they basically gave, gave themselves control over the Great Park. It was only a resolution, which is a policy statement. It's not a law. If Measure R passes, it has the force of law because the voters willed it into existence. The, the second thing is that it has a four-year clock on it. And in four years, when it expires, it will allow the city council to tap into the general fund, the city's operating budget that pays for police and fire and other routine services to pay for the Great Park. That should be just about the time the money runs out because Lennar ain't building out there. So there's no money that's going to come in from Lennar Development. Um, The Measure R has been opposed by the Irvine Chamber of Commerce, the Orange County Register Editorial Board. And real quick, before I forget on Measure S, uh, I did the opposition ballot statement on that. I do have a website where you can uh, view my opinion on it. It's uh, www.nosecrecyordinance.com.
0: Outstanding. Thank you again, Stephen, for coming on the show. That great rundown of uh, R and S, it's basically a no on R and a no on S. That's how how I'm voting it, so uh, you you guys can do whatever you want, but, uh, you know, the the best vote is S, no, R, no. I just
2: want people to vote. You know, they're saying this is going to be a historic turnout, 70
0: 75%. Come out and vote, you know, regardless of how you're going to vote. Vote. And, and, you know, I think it's funny because I think this year you have to say it the least because I think you're right. It is going to be a historic vote. I think, uh, you know, Obama is going to be the next president. The Dems are going to sweep the House and the Senate. Um, And, you know. Um, it might be interesting to see what happens here in Orange County. We may have a little change of demographics here in Orange County. We've got uh, that lady who's running against um What's her Debbie name? Debbie Cook. Debbie Cook, that's right. She's running against Rohrbacher in uh, Huntington Beach. Hey, you know, she may have an actual shot. At putting a dent in that man. And wouldn't that be interesting? Because, I mean, you're going to have a lot of Dems at the polls. The Dems say that they've registered more people than the Republicans, uh, at least this cycle. I don't know if there's more Democrats registered than Republicans. And, and uh, there's not, but it's getting close. That's right. They registered, did a, a story about that. So.
2: Well, you know, again, people need to go out and vote, regardless of what your beliefs are. Uh, you know, Corruption occurs in government, whether it's in Irvine, at the county level, whatever level, because you don't vote, you don't pay attention to what's going on. If you call your elected officials on the carpet for what they do, they're going to think twice before they engage in corruption right. and, and graft.
0: And that's right. And that's this show. People might think that this is a right leaning show, but really it's it. both sides are corrupt. And, you know, this county, the Republicans are corrupt, baby. Uh, so there you have it. Stephen, once again, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll see you again.
2: Thank you very much, Cameron. Thank you, listeners. Appreciate uh, all the time you've given me.
0: Outstanding. All right. Well, it is that time, folks. The show is over. I'm sorry. It's a quick hour. It always goes quick. Uh, you are the greatest listeners. I am so happy that you're out there listening to this show. You're listening to the K-U-C-I dot. Org. That is our website. KCI eighty-eight point nine FM in Irvine is the radio station broadcasting live. And I am your guest host. i your host, not your guest. Cameron Jackson. You've been listening to the OC Show. See you all next week. Go vote, vote, baby, vote, 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 vote.